Hello, everyone, and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 186. And today we're looking at the places that scare us. The places that scare us because we all have certain things that frighten us, don't we? It's it's a part of being human, really, isn't it? We're never going to get to the point where, uh, you know, we're going to be free from every single fear. Actually, you know, fear is a mixed blessing when you think about it because we actually need fear for survival, right? It's hardwired into us. So if we didn't have fear, we would quickly cease to be. So, you know, the spiritual task isn't to eliminate fear if that's not even that's not even possible right so when we talk about you know the spiritual work of navigating fear it's not it's not to eliminate fear but it's more about navigating it recognizing it learning how to step back uh, learning how to observe it rather than have it be our sole lead rather than be driven by it, you know? Because, you know, when we're actually driven by fear or driven by our reactions, whatever they would be, we know from experience that it is so unhelpful, isn't it? I mean, it's so unhelpful to, to take a course of action just because you're scared, you know, without thinking things through properly. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. And um, the text is uh, this great passage about Peter walking on water. So that's the narrative. That's the story that we're, we're going to be looking at. There's so much truth in this story. It's pretty remarkable. But uh, this whole idea of Jesus walking on the water, yeah, well, that's not, maybe that won't really strike us as remarkable. But then then Peter joins them. I mean, what is going on there? What is that about? So that's what we're going to be looking at. How do we deal with fear? Times of high stress, feeling overwhelmed. How do we teach our children deal with fear when they're overcome? I mean, were you taught that as a child? Did anyone, did you have anyone around you that actually sat down and, and taught you about fear and how common it is and how common it is to people and, you know, what to do with that? So this passage today gives us a lot of insight into something that we're very familiar with from our youngest age. We're all familiar with fears. It's, uh, and, and, and then, how are we going to deal with it? Yeah. So here's the context, the, the setup for the story. And by the way, for those of you who are interested in, in Bible study, this carries on right after last week's text, which was the feeding of the 5,000. It's the next thing that happened if you were looking at it chronologically. So after last week's feeding of the 5,000, which we're not going to go into because we did that, covered that last week, 
Jesus made the disciples get in a boat and sail on ahead to the other side of the lake. So we just had this massive uh, sitting down and everybody's eating. It's all been done. The meal's finished. And the text says that he, Jesus, made the disciples get in the boat and sail on ahead. So he's basically forced them and compelled them to get on the boat without him. And the reason that he wants them off and out the way is is because he wants to be alone. And he goes off to the mountain to pray. Now, there's something about Jesus that you'll notice. Once you notice this once, you'll notice it many times in many of the passages. He often disappears alone to pray. He needs time to think, to sort things out, to be alone, to pray, or to get ready for something. He often prays, too, before a big event. Uh, But it's interesting now he's praying after something happened, this feeding of the 5,000. And he's off on his own. The disciples are in the boat ahead of him and a storm arises and it lasts for hours and hours and hours. So there they are in the boat and the storm arises. Jesus is off doing his quiet time, praying, meditating, thinking things through. The disciples are on the boat and the storm comes. Now, when we're looking at these texts, you want to try and get yourself into the story as quickly as possible. So it's like, okay, what would it be like to be in a stormy, difficult situation? Now, some of you might not have to think that hard about this because you might say immediately, I'm already going through a stormy season in my life. I don't really need to think about what it would be like to be in a stormy place because I'm already in one. I have financial worries or I have a really, really difficult relationship with someone. I have no idea what to do. I have tried everything. I have no idea how to help this person. And it's a stormy situation for you. Or thinking about storms, thinking about places that scare us, thinking about, actually, if you're in a boat in a storm, then you're feeling a bit out of control too. Some of you won't have to think hard about these things. It's like, yeah, that's me. I feel like I'm in a storm. My heart is broken or I am unemployed. And if something doesn't change quickly... I'm in trouble. Yeah, so what what does faith look like in these situations? What does trust look like? What does trust look like when you're going through these stormy times? So the disciples are in the boat, and of course they're panicked, right? They're battered by the waves, and the wind is against them. And interestingly enough, the original word, when it says the wind is against them, 
En antois is the original word. Remember, the whole thing was written in New Testament Greek. It means that the wind is contrary. No matter what they did, no matter how they set their sails, no matter how hard they worked, they cannot get to shore. They just can't get to shore. So, and again, there, if we put ourselves in the story, some of you are going to relate to that immediately and say, the wind was against them, everything's against them. Yeah, everything is contrary to, yes, I understand that. The situation that I am in just now, I have tried so many things. I have tried so many ways to change the situation, get out of the situation, have a new life of sorts, and nothing is working. So, see, immediately you can, you can get into the story. And the text goes on that sometime between 3 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock in the morning, they see something a person, a shadowy figure, walking on the water, coming toward them. And of course, obviously they're terrified. And they cry out in fear. Now, it's easy for us to miss the symbolism in these stories because we live in a different time. Remember, this is like, this is a 2,000 year old story. And it's from a culture, a different culture, an ancient people, and they thought about things differently than we do. And one of the big differences is, for the ancient people, the sea was a frightening, chaotic place. It was dark, it was deep, and anything to do with sea was the, the, it was the dwelling place of monsters and serpents. This is what the ancients believed. It, it was just too chaotic. It was just too dangerous. They didn't like the sea. Which is why, by the way, in the book of Revelation, paradise, when paradise is described, Revelation said, the sea will be no more. Isn't that fascinating? The sea will be no more. That's what it says in Revelation when it describes paradise. Now, to our 21st century ears, it's like, what? But the sea's so beautiful and it's glorious and... No, 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 no. For the, yeah, for us it is, right? For some of us who love the, the coast, yeah, it's great. But to the ancient people, the sea is symbolic of danger. It's oppressive. So when you have a story about sea, you have this dark, threatening, watery chaos. You have a shadowy figure appearing at the darkest watch of the night. You know, it's like, what is going on in the story? It's about chaos. It's about being out of control. It's, a, it's frightening. And then the voice, the shadowy figure says, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And of course, that is the voice of Jesus. And the literal translation is, 
Take heart, I am. Now, for those of you who are students of Scripture, that I am, that's one of the many names of God in the Old Testament. So it's like, take heart, he says. What, what does that mean? Well, he's not calming the storm, by the way. He doesn't hold back the waves. It's still dangerous. It's still wild. And it's still threatening. So from one point of view, nothing's really changed. Yeah, we have Jesus come into the picture. But nothing's really changed because the storm is still there, right? Well, I should just pause here and mention, this is... This is our experience all the time. You know, people say, oh, well, you know, if you're in trouble, pray. Well, which is fine. But don't expect something to change immediately, right? We know this from our own personal experiences. We can be going through stormy times, chaotic times, frightening times. And just because you utter a line of prayer... It doesn't necessarily mean, okay, well, that's sorted out, everything's fine. No. And this narrative is, I suppose, pointing this out too. When Jesus says, take heart, he doesn't take away the scary place, right? You know? Not, not, not at this point anyway, Right? It's not like he just suddenly gets into the boat and then sails off to safety. No, the storm remains. The storm remains. It's still wild. The wind's there. But there is one in the storm that is unfazed. So there's another element here. Everyone else is scared to death. And then Jesus appears Take heart, be courageous, he said. Be courageous. Now there's an interesting turn in the story. Peter asks, if it's you, tell me to come. So instead of calming the storm, he invites, Jesus invites Peter. Well, he says, okay, come. Jesus invites Peter to walk right into the storm toward him. So remember, there's Jesus out there, the wind's blowing, the waves, it's, it's wild, it's chaotic, it's dangerous, it's scary. And he says, come, come, he says, or I am says, come. And Peter starts to walk toward Jesus. Now, whatever else this may teach us, one of the truths that jumps out to me is that necessity to face our fears and walk into them and through them and in other words we can we can deny fear we can minimize fear we can be overwhelmed by fear jesus is saying no no peter come come so it's actually inviting him to face the very thing 
that he is terrified of. He's saying, yeah, come, move toward me, rather than run away. And when you, when you do that, when you don't run away, when you don't take the easy way, when you don't deny, you're walking toward the very thing that you fear. Now, there's many, many different ways that this can take place. Like, for example, I'm scared to do something because I might fail. Well, okay, let's say that's the situation. I'm scared to try this because I might fail. We have a lot of choices, don't we? We just might say to ourselves, well, you know, I'm just not going to try it. I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not moving forward. I'm not getting out of the boat and I'm not walking toward my fear. And I'm not, walk, I'm not going to do it. That's a choice. That's a choice. You can stay in the boat and stay scared, right? You could say, I'm scared to say something because it might cause conflict or, I'm, or I might be misunderstood or I might be rejected. Yeah, yeah, okay. What are you going to do with the fear? Who gets to lead? Or, or I'm scared I don't have the resources. What are you afraid of? I'm scared that I, I won't have what I, I need to survive. So people are frightened of many, many different things. So it's not a case of we're going to get to a point in our lives that we're not frightened of things. This is more about what do you do with the things that scare you. Now, Peter steps out the boat and starts to walk on this watery chaos, this, this fear, right? Now, it's always worth noting that when Peter, it's when Peter doubted that he began to sink. And it's important to note that that whole idea of doubting simply means to be of two minds. You're vacillating between two thoughts. So when Peter saw this, the strong wind, he began to get afraid. When Peter focused on the, the wind and the waves, the stuff that made him scared, that's when he began to sink. When he's not thinking about that, when he's walking toward Jesus and he's thinking about getting there and he's taking one step at a time and he's got his eyes focused not on his fears, but on Jesus, he's fine. But when he, when he's, when he starts to doubt, when he has two minds, that's when he starts to sink. Now, this is a common, common thing for us. When we doubt, when we second guess, when we have two minds, that's when we start to sink, right? So Jesus says to Peter when he starts to sink down, Peter, don't doubt. Why did you doubt? You have little faith. It's like you've got to trust in the sense that don't let the fear take over and lead. Don't second guess yourself, he's saying. And he grabs him, Jesus grabs him. Don't start looking at the storm. Don't start looking at the very thing that you're afraid of. 
How much time are you giving the thing that you're afraid of your time? And does it deserve that time? And does it deserve that energy? Don't give all your attention to the waves. You come toward me. Now, obviously, this takes a, a tremendous amount of practice because we're talking here about what we are setting our minds on. And this is a very difficult, advanced spiritual discipline. But I think this is a big part of the story. When, when we move ahead with courage, because this is what Jesus is saying, courage. When we move ahead with courage, when we follow our heart, you know, even if something goes wrong, look who's there to grab us. It's, it's not as though Jesus is going to let him drown. So he says, don't doubt. Don't be of two minds. Why? Because you're only going to hurt yourself. Don't second guess yourself. Don't give all your attention to the wind and the waves and the storm, or you will sink, Peter. That's just the way it is. You have a choice. You have a choice. I think it's always a, a surprise when we first come to the understanding that we actually do have a choice where to place our attention. Do you remember the first time that you discovered, really, that, oh, you mean I do have some choice over what I think about? Yeah. Yeah, you'll notice, you know, that we really can't think of two things at the same time. So it's either one or the other. It's either the fear or something else. What, what gets your attention? And when, when Peter walks toward Jesus, he's, 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 in the text, he's walking on water. He's above it all. He's above the chaos. He's above the fear. He's navigating it very well. He's overcome. He's overcome his fear. When he faces it and keeps walking one step at a time. But when his attention drifts, when he gets distracted, and when it drifts to the, the, the water and the wind and the waves and the dangers, he sinks. Now, fortunately, he gets rescued. And I think that happens to us. I think we get rescued all the time, quite frankly. But I think what Jesus is saying is, you know, if you watch, if you're careful, and if you don't doubt, if you don't move into this double-minded kind of thinking, you're not going to be needed. You won't need to be rescued quite as much, right? But that rising and falling, you know, the fear wave, that rising and falling, that's a common, common experience. And I think that one of the, oh, it's beyond valuable, the beyond valuable gifts of following Christ is, it, you are not on the waves in the storm alone. That is a huge, huge piece for us to hold on to. 
You know, it's not just about you figuring this out all by yourself. There is one in the storm who is absolutely unfazed by any storm we will face. So when Peter gives his attention to matters that scare him, he's going to go down. Now, this spiritual principle, what we think about matters and what we dwell upon matters, is all over the scripture in many, many different places. St. Paul said a similar thing in Philippians when he says, brothers and sisters, think about this. Whatever is true and noble, think about that. Think about what is true. Think about what is noble. When was the last time you thought about something that was noble? Yeah. The apostle says, think about what is lovely. When was the last time you thought about, dwelt on, what is lovely? What is lovely? What is praiseworthy? It's like, what do you dwell upon? What do you think about? What we dwell upon is very, very important because St. Paul knows that becomes a reality, right? It becomes a reality where the attention is placed. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, I suppose you can look at the chaotic mess of the storm, but just know that if that's the choice, you, you will sink and you will be overwhelmed and you will be overcome and you're going to go down just like Peter. So yeah, of course, <laughs> the Spirit of God has a way of grabbing us and getting our attention and reminding us, no, 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 that's not the way to live. It's not the way to live. One step at a time, whatever is true, dwell on this. It's not about denying there's a storm. It's not about pretending we're not scared. No, it's not that. It's more knowing we're not alone. And there is one who is in the storm completely unfaced. And that one is saying, courage. That's what's needed. Courage. Come. It's like you have what it takes to get through this. You have a courageous heart. Follow that courageous heart. There's the prayer. There's the heart cry. God, help us to live with courage. Well, thank you for joining me. You've been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.